It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hey, everyone, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. It's a beautiful Friday. It's a beautiful Friday. That's not really how the song goes, but in my mind, I feel like it is. Sun's out, birds are chirping, and it's a a beautiful Friday. So what better to do on a Friday than have a roundtable discussion with Brandon Warren? We got Luke Inman. We got Sam Ekstrom, of course, host with the most producer who does it all, Luke Inman, as you know, from the uh, football party, and Brandon Warren from Locked On Twins. And I'm Ron Johnson from the Ron Johnson Show. And today, we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot of stuff to talk about out there, uh, but we got to get locked in on these show topics today. Luke, what you got? Yeah, Ron, with Jordan Addison now in the mix, do the Vikings have a top five wide receiver trio in the league? We got to rank the top wide out groups in the NFL coming up next. Uh, the NBA... Playoffs just got a little more interesting last night. Boston beats Miami. Can they come back from a 3-0 deficit? And the Twins are 50 games in. Do we think they can stand atop this trash heap called the AL Central when the season (laughs) comes to a close? The Twins, uh, that that reminds me of uh, the the Washington football team, Giants, that year. They were all terrible. So it's a dumpster fire, but we'll see what happens with the Twins. I'm excited to talk about that one in the pitch count, but I had Bernard Barrion on the Ron Johnson show this week, and he mentioned Adrian Peterson not in his top five. He said Adrian Peterson is like six or seven. So we got to talk about the NFL's all-time rushing, like just not yards, because yards can throw you off. Just if you were to pick the best five running backs in NFL history, would Adrian Peterson be in your top five? We're going to talk about that next on the roundtable. But I want you guys to know this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Just go to FanDuel.com backslash Locked On to make every moment more. And this is the thing. I feel bad now because I said that the Miami Heat were a lock. I still hope they're locked to get to the NBA Finals, but it's not looking so good. We may see the Boston uh, uh, Celtics do something that no team's ever done. 3-0, making a comeback. So, Sam. Tell us, man. Jump into this. Well, I I still don't think it happens. I still think that Jimmy Butler finds a way to to knock the Celtics off in one of these games. But the pressure's all on Miami now. Uh, and you got to credit the Celtics for battling back in this thing, winning on the road, and then really taking care of business last night, not leaving mm-hmm. any anything to the imagination there in the fourth quarter. They just took care of that game. Um Everybody was crapping on the Celtics. The Celtics quit on their head coach. He's lost the locker room. And I think it just goes to show how overblown sometimes those things are. Once you win a game or two, winning literally cures everything. So if the Celtics go on to win four in a row, uh, does that mean that Spolstra lost the locker room? Does it mean that they quit on Eric Spolstra? No, I mean, it just teams get hot, teams get cold, teams make adjustments, coaches make adjustments. Um, it, it's it's kind of a random game, but it would be crazy if Boston completes this comeback and then they would have the biggest basketball comeback in history, the biggest baseball comeback in history, and the biggest Super Bowl comeback in history. Man, it's good to be a New England fan. Man, what you got for that, Brandon? Won't somebody please think of the New England and Boston area sports fans? They haven't won a championship in what feels like minutes. Um, <laughs> n- no, I, I'm, I'm, I love the drama as we get into the late 
spring, early summer. And I've really kind of gotten into NBA more here as I've had to do more stuff like that for work. And I think Jimmy brings a flamethrower to game six. And I know they're favored. I know the Celtics are favored, but I think, I think Jimmy just goes off and wills this team to the finals and it ends up being a, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, if the Celtics had showed out better in the first three games. But at the end of the day, I think for me, the Heat finish it off, head to the finals, and we have an epic battle between them and Denver. Yeah, I mean, the last thing you want to do is let this Boston team any sliver of life or hope. And now that they got two in a row here, all right, momentum creeping back up a little bit. But I'm with Sam and Brandon, man. I'll keep it short and sweet. I think Miami ends up winning this thing when it's all said and done because it's so hard to win four in a row at this stage in the game, deep in the playoffs versus one of the best teams in the NBA. Jimmy goes full Jimmy mode, and they uh, win that last one at home, I think. I'm scared. I'm scared. I said the Lakers, Nuggets, the Nuggets were a lock. That was my locked-on pick uh, for FanDuel. It worked. Uh, I also picked the Nuggets to win game one. I actually put my money where my mouth was, and I won on FanDuel. Uh, Sam knows that. My no sweat, $150 first bet. I also said the lock was the heat. I'm a little scared now. And the only reason I said that early, I've never liked the Celtics. Let me just put this out there. I'm a Detroit Pistons guy growing up, 80-89, you know, 88-89 Pistons. We hated the Celtics. We hated the Lakers. We hated the Bulls. Um, so I, I I always hated the Celtics. I have. Um, I also did not like the Celtics because of LeBron James and the Cleveland uh, team. And when he was with Cleveland Cavaliers, Boston was always in his way. Uh, Boston was in his way when he was with Miami. So I just never liked the Celtics. So that's why I picked the Heat. So I was hoping the Heat would beat them. They run up 3-0. I will say this. It's hard to win four in a row, but it's not hard to win three in a row because they went up 3-0. If Boston wins three in a row, it's now 0-0. And... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Game seven. I know the Celtics have always like found ways to go away in game seven. They've lost to LeBron a ton in game sevens, but I don't know. I'm scared. I'm scared. I feel like, I feel like the Celtics, I feel like this is a year of like weird stuff. It might be Boston Nuggets. And if it is Boston Nuggets, that might be one of the most boring finals. I'm not going to lie in NBA history. I don't know how much. So I know they're hoping for Jimmy Butler because we know Jimmy Butler got into it or uh, Kyle Lowry got into it with uh with with some of the Nuggets players with uh, Aaron Gordon. So I, I think they really want that to happen because he told him his room. Like he told Aaron Gordon what room he was. In. I'm in 386. So if you got a problem, come see me in room 386. So I know they want that to run back into each other because they know it can get hot and we know Jimmy gets hot. That's what the NBA wants, but who knows? They might get the Celtics. Uh, we got to move on to something really spicy. I got some good numbers for this one, so I can't wait to hear Luke's on this. But, Luke, what you got? Now that Vikings got Jordan Addison, a lot of people want to know, do they have one of the better wide receiver trios in the league? I think everyone's list comes down to how much you want to weigh the top two wide receivers because without a doubt, mm. you think about Philly and Miami, they got the top two duos, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and even with below average number three weapon, you can make a case they're still in the top five because those top two are so dominant. So if I took them out of the equation, here's my top five, Ron. Ravens at number five, OBJ, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers. Mm -hmm. Number four, the Chargers, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Quinton Johnston, the rookie. Number three, your Minnesota Vikings, JJ, Ooh. Jordan Addison, KJ Osborne. Seattle, number two, DK, Lockett, Jackson Smith, the Ohio State rookie. And number one on my list, the Cincinnati Bengals, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, criminally underrated. They're my number one trio for a wide receiver group in the NFL. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, I think that's a little generous to the Vikings, to be honest. I, <laughs> I, I, I think so too. <laughs> I, I went through really? every 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 team, and I wrote down the teams I think that are better than the Vikings. I didn't really rank them, but I, I've got nine trios written down that I think wow. are, are above Minnesota. Mm. Um, and like we're, we might be giving KJ Osborne a little too much credit. I mean, he's never had even a an eight hundred yard season. We we're projecting like we think that he will. Uh, we're projecting with Addison, but I've got. Seattle with uh you know Jackson Smith and Jigba Lockett and Metcalf. Mm-hmm. I've got Cincinnati obviously. Um I did put Miami above them cuz Cedric Wilson is a pretty serviceable number 3. I think Denver is deep. They're not top heavy but they're deep. They've got Sutton, they've got Judy, they've got Patrick. Those are all 800 to 1000 yard guys. The Raiders with Renfro, Jacoby Myers now, Devontae Adams, uh the Chargers, Allen Williams and Johnston, Cowboys, Commanders, Bucks. I've got nine in front of them. I think they sneak into the top 10, though. Hmm. Hmm. Here's the one that I think people are forgetting about that I still, like, I, I personally feel like they are not getting the respect they deserve. Um, the New York Jets. Like, I don't know. Did you say the Jets or no? I did not say the Jets, no. Because I look at Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard and McCole Hartman. Now, one, part of my reasoning for the Jets is Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers makes that trio now really good. McCole Hardman was really good with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Alan Lazard was really good with Aaron Rodgers. Garrett Wilson was really good with my grandmother. Like, anybody could have thrown the ball to Garrett Wilson. He was going to have a good year. He had a bunch of hodgepodge, Mike White. uh, You know, you throw in whoever you want, and Garrett Wilson was good. You give him Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers? I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Alan Lazard, McCole Hardman, I, I I definitely think. Now, here's where it, it throws me off. And I, I went to this receiving ranking. Uh, but the problem with the receiving ranking is they threw tight ends in this. Uh, but they had the Bengals, then the Eagles, then the 49ers because of Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, and George Kittle. So they're throwing tight ends in this. Um, you got the Miami Dolphins, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson. Uh, you got Seattle Seahawks, as Sam said. You got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. You got the Chargers. They do have the Minnesota Vikings seventh. Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, mm-hmm. KJ Osborne, but they're throwing in TJ Hawkinson and Josh Oliver. Even without the tight ends, you remove the tight ends. I still think the Minnesota Vikings, to me, are right there. I think they're six, seven-ish um, because I just don't – we don't know what we're going to get out of Jordan Addison or KJ Osborne as the main contributors. Now, we've seen KJ Osborne step in for Adam Thielen, but how is he going to step in when it's nobody to step in and it's you? He's the guy. So – that's where I'm looking at. Like I, I do think they're close to the top five, but but the, the the committee, you know, the jury's still out right now because we don't know what Jordan Addison's gonna be. Like he could be Jerry Judy, he could be Justin Jefferson ish, not just Jefferson, but ish, or he could fall all the way down and, and be the the one dude for the Raiders, the Henry Ruggs. That like it's just it's boomer bust plays. It's okay. Here's a really big play, and then here's a drop. Here's a really big play, and then here's a drop. We just don't know. Like, we don't know. He, he could be Terry McLaurin. Scary Terry is killing it with Washington. So you you we don't know what he's going to be, and I think that's why it's kind of tough. But for sure, the Bengals are one. I'd say Dolphins are up there because Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, they could put anybody with them, and they're going to be good. Um, and, and same with the 49ers. I just think Debo Samuel. I, I technically put George Kittle's receiver because he – plays in that whole offense that way uh but i'd say the the vikings are top seven i would say they're in the top seven what do you think brandon 
Well, I got a few that I think we were sleeping on too, because any wide receiver core with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin should be good. We don't know who's throwing them the football. True. And that's an issue. Russell Um, Gage. Right. Yep. So I think we're sleeping on them. The Lions could be, I don't want to ride the Lions hype train, but let's say maybe seven weeks into the season, something might change that gets them a little deeper. We'll see about that one. Um, I wanted to give Baltimore some love and then Luke went ahead and did it. So uh, the one team that I think people are sleeping on, they're not in my top five, but Jacksonville is going to be interesting with Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, and mm-hmm. Christian Kirk. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, but as far as my five, I got a 5A and a 5B. Minnesota and Seattle are my 5A and 5B. Mm-hmm. You guys have kind of covered that. Um, I got Seattle number four. I love how they roll three deep. The the three versus two is difficult because if you've got two absolute phenomenal players at the top, it's obviously hard to put them over a group of three that, you know, like with the Vikings, a couple of those guys have question marks. We don't know what Addison's going to be. Can KJ handle that role? Um, not necessarily the Thielen role, but the Thielen spot, the, the, right. the um, Robin to uh, Jefferson's Batman, if you want to say. Uh, number three, I got Philly. I think, again, that just comes down to those top two guys are just so good. And, you know, we'll see what Quez Watkins can do. I actually had the the same list that Ron had read. So, for me, um, I was kind of looking over that and kind of mixing and matching. Uh, number two for me is Miami. You just cannot get past Waddle and Tyreek. It's, it's an incredible one-two that it really doesn't matter who's behind them. And I think the consensus is the Bengals. I mean, when you're number three wide receiver – is Tyler Boyd, that is a an embarrassment of riches. So for me, I'm curious to see if there's going to be any targets left for Irv Smith Jr. or if he can get on the field. <laughs> uh, obviously not part of the wide receiver group, but part of the conversation on the whole. But um, yeah, I think I'm pretty similar to you guys. That li- uh, Sorry, not Lions. Uh, Ravens one really intrigues me, though, because... If they start distributing the football, uh, it's going to be real fun out there. Ron, I think you made the golden point here. So much of the production of wide receivers in the past game, mm-hmm. unfortunately, comes down to your quarterback play. Yeah. And that's why you're intrigued about the Jets now that they got Aaron Rodgers. So I think with the Vikings specifically, it comes down to how confident are you with Kirk Cousins in year two of KOC's new scheme. So, yeah, True. you're right, guys. Maybe I was a little high on the Vikings. You're right. Maybe I went a little <laughs> homer, drank the Kool-Aid. I watched a lot of Addison tape these last three months. But I'm I'm excited. I think you guys are sleeping on KJ Osborne just a little bit. I'm excited to see him step up and play a bigger role now that Adam Thielen's gone. Well, maybe he'll wake us up. But we got to talk about the top five running backs in the NFL. Bernard Berrien said Adrian Peters is not in his top five. Now, when he first said that, I was like, ooh. But then, and before we – we're, we're going to talk about this. But we have a word up from our sponsors. But, but when, when I started looking at this list of, like, greats, it's tough. This is like – I don't even know, like – I mean, here are some names just to throw out there that I, I I totally forgot about as I was going through my list. But Jim Brown, Walter Payton, Gail Sayers, Bo Jackson, Ladalian Tomlinson, Eric Dickerson, Barry Sanders, Earl Campbell, Tony Dorsett, O.J. Simpson. You can hate him all you want. Orenthal James was a beast. Emmett Smith, uh, Marshall Falk. I mean, come on, Curtis Martin, Adrian Peterson, like what? And then Thurman Thomas, Jerome Bettis. Now I would put I put him in front of Jerome Bettis. Thurman Thomas probably in front of him. But man, we've had some awesome running backs in the NFL that sometimes, like Bo Jackson, people forget how good because it's not about stats. 
This is about who is the best back if we had to put a top five back. Just your gut feeling. It has nothing to do with stats. You can use stats. But Bo Jackson, in my opinion, would have probably gone down to the best running back in NFL history if he had not gotten hurt. I mean, I watch his highlights, and I'm like, there's nothing like him in the world, uh, besides maybe Adrian Peterson. And that's why that 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 uh, top five conversation comes up with AP, because he was Bo Jackson-ish with his size and his speed. But before we get into this topic of the top five running backs in, in NFL history and where does Adrian Peterson fall, we have a word from our sponsors. Let me tell you today about Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar in the world. You gotta try Built Bars because you're not compromising on taste to have a healthy snack. They've got great macros, 17 grams of protein, and they've only got four grams of sugar, only 130 calories, and somehow they're all made with 100% real dark chocolate. It's incredible, but it's true. Real dark chocolate. You can get them at Walmart. You can get them at Sam's Club. You can go to the pharmacy section, pick up a four-bar box or a 13-bar box, maybe some peanut butter brownies, some uh, cookies and cream, brownie batter puff. I love the puffs in the Ekstrom household. You can also get the specialty flavors at Built.com online. Have them shipped right to your door. So head to Walmart, head to Sam's Club, load up on some Built Bars this summer. They're good and good for you. I promise you'll thank me later. Well, we got to jump into this topic. Top five running, and this comes up a lot. I mean, this is what football is about. I just watched a, a couple different networks. Uh, one was pushing for like WNBA coverage because they're like the NFL dominates 12 months out the year. People are nonstop talking about the NFL. And then the NBA, nine months out the year, talking about the NBA. And then WNBA is like every once in a while. And when you think about the NFL and how they found a way to dominate, like college football, like the NFL, that's why they do all these meetings and these rule changes. Because every time they have a meeting, the owner's meeting, drama and news comes out because they're like, oh, my God, we're changing the rules. So sticking to dominating football, it's we're still talking about it. Football season is not until August, I'd say, I guess, August, um, July, August. But the top five running backs in NFL history. Here's where I'll go and I'll start my take. I am very concerned with what have you done for me lately? I feel like that's what the NFL has been about. What have you done for me lately? So that's why I think automatically even my brain throws Adrian Peterson, I thought, in the top five. But when I started to look at just overall, overall, and 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 I don't think because he passed away had anything to do with my decision. I, I do think Jim Brown is one of the top NFL running backs ever. Like Jim Brown has to be in the top five. I'd say Walter Payton has to be in the top five. Um, I didn't see much Gale Sayers. I have to watch a little bit more of him to really understand what he did and 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 what put him up there. I haven't seen, I'm not gonna lie, I haven't seen a ton of Gale Sayers, but Bo Jackson's in my top five. Uh Ladanian, and this is why I put Ladanian in my top five. He was Christian McCaffrey and how we praised Christian McCaffrey before Christian McCaffrey was even there. Eric Dickerson has the all-time, like, rushing titles for yards. Nobody's ever eclipsed that. So that's technically my five right there. I would say Adrian Peterson. Uh, and then there's Barry Sanders, though. Like, he, if he didn't retire early, he's the greatest. So, like, I'm so torn with this. I would say Adrian Peterson for sure is in my top ten because uh, him and Earl Campbell, to me, would be similar. I would put Adrian Peterson before Tony Dorsett, and then I would put OJ before Adrian. So Adrian, to me 
falls at 10. But I don't know. What do you think, Luke? To your point, Ron, I mean, arguably the hardest list to rank among any NFL position. Number five, it's a tie. Gail Sayers and Eric Dickerson. Number four, I got Emmett Smith just because mm. the body of work, the longevity, nobody did it like he True. did at True. a high level. 15 years, played 226 games, obviously holds the all-time rushing yards record. So he's got to be on the list somewhere. Number True. three, I'm a little biased. I grew up watching this guy as a young kid, middle, late 90s, truly got me into the game. Barry Sanders. Yeah. So impressive about Barry. And, and Ron, you remember this. He was on so many terrible Detroit teams, always facing eight, nine-man boxes pretty much his entire career. So still put up Hall of Fame numbers despite that. Sure, they made the playoffs once or twice, but that was all Barry. That wasn't Scott Mitchell or Charlie Batch. That was because they had Barry Sanders, and he was special. Walter Payton, sweetness, number two. But I agree with you. You mentioned Jim Brown. Nobody did more with his nine years of professional football than Jim Brown did. I mean, you go look up the numbers, the stats, they speak for themselves. I think he should be number one for everybody's list, no debate, despite how hard this list is. Because you got to remember, too, back then they're playing 12 games, 14 at most, and he still put up better numbers than most of these guys playing 16. Here's a great stat I pulled up this morning. 118 games, he scored 126 total touchdowns. Walter Payton scored 125 touchdowns. In 190 games, 72 less games, Jim Brown scored more touchdowns than Walter Payton, who's widely considered, obviously, a top three running back all time at worst. So that's how good Jim Brown was during his nine years. As hard as this list is, everybody will probably have a different top five. I think Jim Brown's got to be up there in those top two spots. Yeah, Sam, what you got? Yeah, Jim Brown is such a complicated evaluation because it's like Wilt Chamberlain. He was just so physically dominant that nobody could stop him. Yeah. Like he 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 would do the equivalent of score 100 points in a basketball game because there was just no competition for him. And so era adjusted, he's definitely the best of that era. Um he's not in my top 5 kind of more so because I I have a bias against the uh the older school running backs, but <clears throat> Marshall Falk is my number 5. Okay. Um best pass catching back in NFL history combined with a very talented just running back in general. Like if you look at his overall yardage, like 20,000 total yards passing in or uh, receiving and rushing. So he's my number five. I put Adrian number four. I think he's the hardest runner um, in, you know, an era which was crowded with a lot of great backs. He had, I think, one of the best peaks. I mean, nine years, uh, 2007 to 2015, missed one year due to suspension. But about five yards a carry during that stretch, a 2,000-yard season. He had three rushing titles. Mm -hmm. um, Adrian Peterson, when you, I mean, well, just sometimes you have to watch the highlights back just to remind yourselves of how dominant this guy was, had the power and the speed. So I do think he's, he's in my top five. Emmett Smith, just the durability, the yeah. all-time record holder. He's number three for me. Walter Payton, maybe the best uh, of his era in the 70s, 80s. And then Barry Sanders is my mm. number one of all time. He had nothing but 1,000-yard seasons. He was a great pass catcher. Five yards a carry for his 10-year career. That is absurdly efficient. He broke tackles. He was balanced. He he had it all. Barry Sanders. And sorry, I missed this. So where does Adrian Peterson fall for you, though? For me? Yeah. He was fourth. 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 On the okay, list. that's what I yep. was trying to make sure. I couldn't remember if it was three or four. And then, Luke, where would you put AP? 
I had to put AP and LT, LaDainian Tomlinson, uh, who you spoke so highly about, obviously, kind of the Christian McCaffrey role, in my honorable mentions. That's how tough this list was, Ron. Okay, okay. But top 10, though? Oh, for sure. Top 10, okay. for sure. Yep. Brandon, what you got? Well, I want to name some names, first of all, that we won't mention at all. But Curtis Martin, I think, is the most underrated running back of all time. We yep. don't talk about the fact that he ran for more than 14,000 yards. And then the the most consistently there guy over a long haul, Frank Gore. Yes. Yeah. Number three all time. Over yeah. and over and over again. And uh, just, just an incredible specimen. Um, on the outside looking in for me, Emmett Smith, uh, I, I wait – the fact that he had, you know, Larry Allen and Nate Newton and all these guys, he's running behind. Where, uh, or, sorry, did I did I say that wrong? Who the the lineman? He had a cr- crazy Larry good... Allen and Nate Newton. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I, yeah. I think I got confused with Leon Lett there for a second, and then I was thinking about <laughs> Don Beebe. And uh, yeah, he ran behind just some incredible lines in Dallas. So I'm going to punish him just a little bit, but that longevity is huge. And I think you have to be careful with how you weight longevity because. Uh, a guy like Barry Sanders for me, I think it's actually smart for him to get out early. He realized it wasn't getting any better in Detroit. And when you talk about Detroit in that era, it's him. And then quite a ways down, you've got like Herman Moore and Brett Perriman, you know, Johnny Morton. I mean, it's not, Mm -hmm. nobody's close. So uh, number five for me, Marshall Falk did everything you want a running back to do and did it for, uh, on an incredible offense, even with Torrey Holt, even with Isaac Bruce, there was still room for him to get plenty of targets and carry the ball. He was absolutely fabulous. Ladanian Tomlinson, number four for me. Again, another guy who did a little bit of everything. I loved him coming out of TCU. I thought he was going to be a stud. And that's one of the rare times that my actual evaluation panned out. Um, number three, I went with Jim Brown. Again, you know, you, you're not really sure how to weight eras. This isn't like baseball where they've got a lot of those percentage or adjusted statistics but the things he was doing in that era absolutely incredible I got Barry number two he's the reason anybody watched the Lions because it wasn't for those other guys it wasn't for Wayne Fonts <laughs> it wasn't for Scott Mitchell so Barry's number two for me and then I got sweetness number one um you know he just ran rough shot over the league for the the stretch he was in there and for the longest time had the record until Emmett came along and ran for a little over 10 miles worth a yard. So uh, outside looking in, I got AP right there. Um, Curtis Martin's right there. Emmett's right there. And then, yeah, there's a lot of other guys, Dickerson, Dorsett, even Bettis was up there in the top 10 in yards, but um, yeah, that's going to be the top five. I'm going to have AP just missing. Yeah. I mean, and Bernard Barron, I'm glad. Thanks for Bernard Barron too, for joining me on the Ron Johnson show this week. Make sure you guys go back and check that. Uh, Just go to locked on sports, Minnesota. Uh, You can search that on YouTube. You can follow and subscribe so you can have all of our videos, all of our shows. You can go on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia app, wherever you get your iTunes, get the content. But the Ron Johnson Show uh, this past week, search for uh, the Bernard Barian episode. It uh, was great. And and he sparked a ton of conversation. Devin Hester uh, stories, uh, Chris Cluey punting stories, uh, and then, of course, the Agent Peterson. You know, how he practiced, how he played, walked through, OTAs. Uh, and when he brought that up, I'm like, man, Sam, I'm like, we got to talk about this. Cause I, I, when I first heard Bernard say that I just threw agent in my top five, because it felt like that, like AP should be in the top five. Cause he was the most bruising. He was the most brutal. Um, maybe over time, as we start to see more running backs and Adrian's numbers become more, uh, memorialized and he goes into the NFL hall of fame, then maybe we'll look and say, you know what? That guy's body at work was top five, but some people are saying like Bernard, like he said, man, he's right outside my top five. Um, 
But yeah. Ron, let me a, a yeah. question for you about Adrian. Do you punish Adrian for kind of fading the way he has in the final years of his career? Because if he had retired after like 2015, like like yeah. Sanders, I think we view him differently. But because he's had what now six years of just like kind of desperately hanging on and he has not been very good right. and going from team to team. Does that tarnish his legacy in your mind? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it tarnishes it, but it does change some of the newer watchers to football's opinion probably yeah. because I saw AP up front and personal when he was the greatest. Um, I watched him break our record that we had set as the Baltimore Ravens, 295 rushing yards. We blocked our butt off for Jamal Lewis versus the uh, Cleveland Browns, and we were memorialized uh, at Canton. And then Adrian Peterson, one yard, which I still want that looked over, but that one yard, 296, broke our record. So I've seen all of that. I've seen what this man can do. So I, I it doesn't do it for me, but for some, yes, because if they only saw Adrian towards the end, uh, like the end of his greatness and then the end, like they didn't see the early years. They're like, oh, man, this this dude, like what's going on with him? Um, always. I forgot the movie. It was a Tyler Perry movie, but he talked about like Lena Horne and, you know, saying when to retire. Like Lena Horne knew when to retire, when her voice started cracking, she walked away. She stopped singing. Uh, and, and sometimes he's, he basically was saying like singers uh, go too long, like boxers. You know, he was saying boxers go too long. Don't box till you can't, you know, till you can't, you know, you get knocked out. And so, you know, I think that's where HP was at. He should have, you're right, Sammy, maybe should have hung it up. Um, but money, man, like money is a money is a it's a dangerous game. Like people, people go for it and keep fighting for it, and fame is dangerous. Like, look at JJ Watt, you know, talking about after retiring, he's bored, he wants to go buy a soccer team. You know, like walking away from football, man. A lot of players talk about when that noise stops, when that crowd stops, it's tough to walk away from it. So maybe that's where Agent Peterson was at. But yeah, no, I, I think for some voters and some people, yeah, they they might say his his legacy is tarnished for me no i don't think so but we got to talk about this uh minnesota twins team the minnesota twins because we that's the last docket and then i do have a i do have a special secret question for you guys it popped up yesterday uh and i'll give you a hint there's some trade talks there was like the top five trade opportunities in the nfl and new face new place or same face new place minnesota vikings popped up on this same face, new place, radar. And it's a potential trade. So that's how we're going to end the show with your guys' thoughts on this potential trade. And is it too low? Is it too high? Is it Does it work for all sides? And should the Minnesota Vikings do this? Um, I won't say the team that came up in this. I'll let you guys guess that first, and then we'll jump into that. But before we do that, we got to talk about the Minnesota Twins. So, Brandon, take it away. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they can't really synchronize when the offense shows up with when the pitching shows up. And more so than at all, it's been the pitching show up, showing up 90% of the time and the offense about 10% of the time. There's been some uh, bounces that haven't gone their way. The umpiring has been dreadful, and the bullpen has hiccuped at just the wrong times. I mean, obviously, you you got to like the back of their bullpen with Jorge Lopez, Joan Duran. And I, I still like Griffin Jacks. I know the numbers aren't pretty, but, you know, they score three runs and give up four. It's just like the Vikings scoring 27 and giving up 30. You know, they're they're not like the Vikings in the sense that they're going to be 13 and four or whatever, but you still see some similarities where also to like the Timberwolves, they play down to their competition. They struggle yeah. with teams like the Nationals, but then they show up against the Yankees and Astros. You, you can't make it up. You can't even get a feel for 
what that means. Um, offensively, they've just had so many guys in and out of the lineup. And then you got Carlos Correa, who struggled and now is dealing with plantar fasciitis. Um, you know, they're, they're about to welcome Royce Lewis back. That's going to be a huge boost for them. Hopefully Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco will get healthy here soon. Even Trevor Larnick dealing with pneumonia. Who gets pneumonia in May? <laughs> I mean, how does that happen? Uh, but on the pitching side, they've been absolutely brilliant. Uh, Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, both in the mix for all-star spots. So here's, here's a fun stat before I hand it off. Sonny Gray has pitched 54 and one-third innings and has not given up a home run yet. Wow. Absolutely, Ooh. absolutely ridiculous. And this is a guy who in New York got into home run trouble. Obviously, Bronx is, uh, you know, the Yankee Stadium is basically like playing on a little league field. And then he played in Cincinnati, which is basically Yankee Stadium, too. So absolutely incredible what he's doing this year, setting himself up for a really nice payday this offseason. Yeah, I mean, just like last year, we've seen so many winnable games turn into losses, whether it's middle relievers, you know, one of the worst clutch hitting teams in the league. Four and ten and one score games, which is tough to swallow. And it's baseball, long season. I get it. Happens to everyone. You just hope those start to balance out eventually. But just some major PTSD from last year, I think. Blowing so many winnable games. And so far, it just feels like more of the same through these first 50 games. And I mean, here's my biggest question for Brandon, I guess. Where does Rocco fit into all this? How much is he to blame? Because they're underperforming. I guess I'll put it like that, right? So when you underperform, you got the players, you got the talent. Usually you point to the head coach first. I know they just gave him an extension through 2025. Clearly, they don't think he's the problem. But at what point, I guess, does he get his share of the blame in this whole equation? Yeah, there's some of, of that in maybe bullpen usage where he's stuck with Griffin Jacks a little longer than I might have. Obviously, 506 ERA is concerning, but he's one of their guys back there, and you got to trust your guys. If a guy is your guy until he shows you he's not, they've backed off him a little, but, a little bit. But when you look at the numbers, it's hard to compare numbers to how you handle those humans. And when a guy's been there and succeeded for you, you have to give him that chance to do it again. That that trust level that you show in a player. like a, It's like a quarterback and a guy has a big drop, but it's one of your guys. You're not going to the fourth wide receiver on third and 12 because your big guy dropped it last time. So you got to keep going back to these guys, keep going back to the well. So I get why Rocco does that. And people get real upset with some of the moves he makes. He, he did have a weird game recently, though, where he was subbing guys out early based on handedness. The Giants used an opener and then went to a lefty after a righty. And so he was flip-flopping a lot of guys out, which leaves your bench shorthanded the rest of the way. That was a little strange, and I'm not really sure why that was happening. I mean, I know why it was happening statistically, but it doesn't really make sense for game flow. So I think he's starting to feel a little heat from the fans. But, uh, you know, as you said, the extension, he's not feeling any heat from ownership or the front office. He's their guy. They fired Paul Molitor after winning 78 games. Rocco gets an extension after winning 78 games. You know, what, is, what does that tell you about how they view Rocco Baldelli? I know they're starting to finally steal some bases as of late, but they still, I think, rank in the bottom three in stolen bases. And, correct me if I'm wrong, sacrifice bunts as well. But under Rocco, last two years, bottom three in stolen bases both years. I mean, as a novice baseball fan, I would think Byron Buxton alone would have 30 steals every year minimum. Uh, just kind of explain that why they've ranked consistently so low in that category. A lot of it's analytics and not analytics as a buzzword, but the idea that bunting is that almost in a lot of times it lessens your probability to score runs or multiple runs in a situation like bunting a guy from second to third. It, it improves your chance of scoring one run at any given moment 
but it actually decreases your chance of scoring multiple runs. And so you have to kind of weigh those two. So in the 10th inning, when you got a runner on second automatically, you bunt the guy over and you got a chance to score a run. But if you're the road team, you have to assume that the home team's going to do that. It's it's all that. As far as stolen bases, though, it's it's part of it's Buxton and you know wanting to handle him with the kid gloves. Mm-hmm. Part of it though is personnel. They just don't have that many guys who can run like that. Michael A. Taylor and Willie Castro, I would imagine, are uh, responsible for probably seventy five percent of this team's steals. Buxton has started running a little more as he's been healthy enough to stay on the field. But yeah, this is. This is like uh, there's a there's a guy on the A's, Asturi Ruiz, who has more steals than the Twins, and a bunch of guys who have more steals than the Twins on the whole. So, if if you can do it efficiently, it's worth it. There's like a, a cutoff of like seventy percent where you got to do that to be break even in terms of analytics. Um, I don't think the Twins believe that a lot of those guys can do that, so they just don't. Interesting mm-hmm. note about the bunting, knowing that they're four and ten in one score games, you'd think, all right, maybe we should maybe switch that up a little bit. But interesting to know. Good answer. Good explanation. Yeah, I'm I'm getting bored with this team. It, it's a lot of deja vu. Yep. Um their core has all established itself as as injury prone, and that's that's not their fault. And I still think that this this staff handles guys maybe a little too delicately, but I mean injuries are legit, like they guys are getting hurt. Um, but it's every year, and we're at the stage where the lineup is unrecognizable. The pitching is not going to prop prop up this record all season long. Eventually, the bats are going to have to get going. Yeah. I am at the stage where I don't think this team has earned the right to be a buyer at the deadline. If they're two games up at the deadline and they're 500, I don't know if I want to see them giving up more assets. They gave up so much last year for nothing. Um I, I am sorry. Like, if you win the division, great. If you win 82 games and win the Central, that's cool. People might be upset. I don't think I want to see them surrendering more assets just to win this miserable division when clearly this team has not proven that they are a, a real contender yet. Yeah, and they keep playing the same exact game over and over again. You know, it's 3-2 in the eighth inning. You give up a bloop and then another bloop and then another bloop. You're down 4-3 and the other team's closer comes in and shuts you down. How many times can you keep doing that before it, it gets frustrating? They don't do anything with bases loaded. Literally the lowest OPS with bases loaded since 1974. And add to that the fact that they're actually really good with runners in scoring position. So it makes no mm. sense, those two things combined. Um, I agree with you that they need to show more. I, I'm not worried about buying or selling because the rest of the division is hot garbage. None of these teams are any good. And you can make that case for the Twins. Are they any good? But the Twins are head and shoulders, in my opinion, better than the rest of the division. They just need to show it because they're Pythagorean record. And I don't want to get too nerdy on you guys, but it's basically runs scored, runs allowed, and you put those together to figure out what your expected record would be. They're about five games below that. If they even play somewhat close to that, they are absolutely jet skiing away from this division. And I expect or at least hope that they can do that here in the near future. Well, this is what I'll say about the Twins. <clears throat> they're in trouble. I'm not going to lie. They're in trouble. Uh, the, the question was, do we think it's sustainable? I don't think so, the current trend. Uh, when you look at who the Tigers are about to play the next 10 games, they've already played one <clears throat> against the White Sox. They have seven out of the next 10. So they already played one of the seven. They beat them seven to two. They have six more games against the White Sox in the next nine. 
And the Twins have a little bit tougher stretch when you think about the Rangers, you think about the Astros. Now, the Blue Jays, I mean, you could say they're the bottom of the ALEs, but they have the same number of wins as the Twins. So the Twins are in a tough stretch. Their next 10 versus the Tigers' next 10. The Tigers, after this 10, I'm not a betting man, but I would bet that the Tigers are going to be leading the AL Central after the next nine games. The Tigers will be ahead of the Twins after the next nine games. It's very unfortunate, and it's early. It'll be 60 games in, so they'll have time. But I still think they're that they're going to be in a little bit trouble early. But maybe, maybe that will bring them back to reality uh, of the early success they had and the fact that the Royals and the White Sox and the Guardians suck. Uh, maybe they got too complacent. You're right, playing down to their opponent versus playing up to their opponent, and I think that's the key. Is like win, winning teams win. Good teams win. They just play. They don't care about where you're at, who you're playing, whatever, like the Yankees. They don't care. They're just going to play. Uh, the Rays right now, they're just going to play. Um, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw that. They won a game, but like they had, it was like 20 to 1. That was ridiculous. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter. Like I feel like that same team putting a, a second baseman out there to the pitch, the Twins would have probably won 5 to 1 or 5 to 4. Like They would have found a way to keep it close. Uh, but for the SXM Radio users out there, the Sirius XM radio users, the Twins, they start a new series. As I said, these next nine, just look forward to them being below the Tigers after these nine. But it starts with the Toronto Blue Jays. Tonight at 7, 10 p.m., you can catch every pitch with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Twins. And remember, if you want it in your car as well, just go to the Sirius XM app and check out some of the offers. I think if you do a three-year deal, you can get it as low as $3.99. $4.99 a month, that's pretty cheap to get radio wherever you go, no matter what town, if you're going to Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Detroit, doesn't matter where you're driving to, to to catch some baseball, but you can get the broadcast on your way and on your way home because it doesn't change. You don't have to worry about the radio station of that local town. Really quick before we got here, fellas, we got a, we got about a minute. Uh, I want everybody to take about 30 seconds of this, and this was just a little cheapy uh suggestion by uh, i think bleacher report put this out there so no real validity to it but they put out like the top five people that should be traded buddha baker was one deandre hopkins was one and dalvin cook uh i'm gonna give each of you a guess luke who do you think the team was they thought the vikings should trade with with dalvin cook the dolphins have even despite them drafting devin achane uh from texas a&m in the third round I still think the dolphins make the most sense trying to leapfrog the bills in that afc east they're just going all in on track speed with mike mcdaniel so i'll say the dolphins then how about that sam what do you think uh um let's go crazy and say the bears in division the bears <laughs> they've got cap space what about you, Brandon? I, I keep going back to Miami. I think they like that running back committee with Mostert and Achane and, and Wilson. I, again, that might be too full of a running back room, but I think the writing is on the wall that that's the team I would target. Um, I think they just want to go with firepower with this offense, surround Tua with all the weapons they can and see what happens. So the Vikings would get in this trade a 2024 fourth-round pick a 2025 fifth-round pick, which I think is way too low. That's it. A fourth and a fifth-round pick for Dalvin Cook. I think that's way too low. I do agree with the 2024 pick. I think it should be a second, and I think the 2025 should be a third. 
but that's just me. I'm biased, maybe. Uh, but it says running back Dalvin Cook has a good thing going with Minnesota Vikings. He's become a four-time pro bowler with Minnesota. He's coming off a campaign with 1,468 yards from scrimmage and 10 combined touchdowns. However, Minnesota doesn't appear to be interested in keeping the 27-year-old on his current $10.4 million base salary. The Vikings have come close to trading uh, according to Albert Beer of Sports Illustrated, that they have recently replaced him with Alexander Madison per the Mike Florio. So we know Mike Florio always has a little bit of juice in there and likes to, to needle his, his hometown team of the Minnesota Vikings. And Mike Florio said with Alexander Madison's uh, signing, he could easily be replaceable and cheaper than Dalvin Cook and not a long-term solution, but maybe a short-term solution that becomes a long-term solution when you think about guys like DeMarco Murray and how that's happened to those guys in the past. Speaking of DeMarco Murray, does that give you a little clue to the team that he thinks they should be traded for? Wow. Really? Jerry yeah. Jones land? Jerry Jones land. The Dallas Cowboys would get Dalvin Cook straight out. No additions, no extras. They would take on his salary. The Vikings don't have to help out with the salary. I think that's another big part of this trade is there's no help. So the Vikings aren't on the hook for any of his guarantees or his salary. So they are not taking any money. They're getting all that money off their books for Dalvin Cook because Jerry Jones – Although they have gotten rid of Zeke, they are a two running back system. They've said that they wanted yeah. to be a two high paid running back system, one high pay receiver. We think about Michael Irvin. That's what they've always been. Uh, my inside source of the Minnesota Vikings pointed out that some certain teams do the same thing over and over and over again, and it continues to work up to a point. You think about the Cowboys. They've always had a good defensive back. Deion Sanders, now Trayvon Diggs. They've always had a, a hard-hitting safety. You go back to Roy Williams, Darren Woodson, uh, and then now you move on to who they have now. You look at their defensive line. You go to Marcus Spears. You can go to uh, DeMarcus uh, – uh, what's his name? Where? Sorry, yes, where? where. Um, and then you, you think about all of that. Running backs. They've always had Emmitt Smith and another guy. They've always had, two DeMarco Murray. They've always had Zeke. And another guy. So, you know, and you think about the Buccaneers. What are they always up? Up front. They want big guys. And now I'm who they added. Philly, what have they been? Terrorizers. Big up front. Offensively, they've been hodgepodge, but this year they put it together. Uh, you know, and so that's what it's been about. And so you think about the Cowboys, that could be the case. What do you think about that, Luke? Really quick, 20 seconds, uh, Dalvin Cook to the Cowboys. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think first and foremost, he's going to a team that has playoff aspirations and are competitive. Yep. Tony Pollard, the only guy that they got left right now, Correct. coming off that brutal, brutal broken leg injury and an ankle injury as well. So I know they drafted Deuce Vaughn, the short statured guy, reminds you of a Darren Sproles type, but he's a complimentary piece. I really like that addition with Pollard once he gets healthy with an explosive Dalvin Cook. That's a great one-two punch. Sam. Yeah, I think if you're looking for a team that's going to value the running back position and maybe overpay at running back, the Cowboys are a great, a great example there. And Jerry Jones maybe not caring as much about positional value. So that could be a suitor. Um, again, I'm just I'm so curious to see when this deal gets done and what the, the price tag is on Dalvin Cook. If the Cowboys are taking on his full salary, I, that means I think that decreases the, the compensation the Vikings get back because that's a big chunk for the Cowboys to absorb. Which is probably why it's a fourth and a fifth round pick. That yeah. that's that's my guess is because if they're like, look, you're taking all the salary, we're not giving up anything higher than a fourth and a fifth. So that makes sense. Brandon, what do you think? Not the first time the Cowboys have been rumored to have interest in a Vikings running back, mm. you might recall. <laughs> I'd be curious though what the Vikings value that salary cap space 
for at this point in the off season? Do they have someone still sitting out there that they might like to pick up to fortify, mm-hmm. whether it's defensive back, you know, a lot of times you'll have these veterans, these 30, 32, 33 year old veterans kind of swimming around out there, the Patrick Peterson types where you bring them in for one year and hopefully they work in your system. So we'll see what happens if that happens because they'll have some space to play with. But other than that, I'm, I'm not sure about the, the whole process. Well, I will say this. There was a, a big talk about uh, guys saying they're not signing until after the season starts because they want to be with a contender. Uh, when you look at, like, let's look at the age of 30. You got Leonard Floyd. You got Jadavion. I take Leonard Floyd out there. You got Jadavion Clowney. You got Frank Clark. You got Marcus Peters, cornerback. He's still out there. You got Cameron Fleming, uh, offensive tackle. They don't need that. Uh, you got Ronald Darby, cornerback, Denver, 29 years old. Uh, you still got Zeke Elliott out there. So do they get rid of Dalvin and then still pick up Zeke for cheaper? Is Zeke willing to be cheaper? Would he be petty because the Vikings got rid because the Cowboys took Dalvin? Would he say, look, I'm only 28 years old. I'll go to the Vikings later for cheaper. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of uh, opportunity there. Uh, some people have said Jarvis Landry to the Minnesota Vikings at age 30 at receiver to add another uh, option there. So there, there are some people out there uh, that, that they possibly can get, uh, sorry, possibly could get uh, to, to bolster this team up. Who knows who they're going to sign? Who knows if this is real? These are just speculations of a bunch of people saying different things on their radio shows. We're one of them. And so it just gets out there and people create the narrative, but, Hey, we'll see when it happens. That's why this is fun because this is the offseason. And, and Brandon, I agree. I don't know if there's a reason to get rid of his salary right now at where you stand. Uh, mm-hmm. You sign your first-round draft pick, so you don't need to make cap space there. But maybe they want to just move on now knowing that, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a running back out there they want. Uh, but, again, Dalvin Cook is hard to replace. Uh, but we'll see what happens in the Minnesota Vikings. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Luke Inman. That's Brandon Warren. That's Sam Extra. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota. This was the Friday Roundtable. Want to thank those that continue to like, download, share, comment. Let us know what you think of today's show. Is Adrian Peterson in your top five of running backs, or is he just shy of that, or is he not even in your top ten? Let us know what you think. And Dalvin Cook to the Cowboys. Like it, hate it, or you don't care. Either way, let us know. Just search Locked On Minnesota Sports on Twitter. We love to interact with you guys on there as well. Again, have a great day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.